Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This episode is brought to you by Grant Thornton. You may know them as an audit, tax, and advisory firm that's part of a global member network with over 60,000 employees, but they do more than numbers. They're the listening ear and fresh perspective you need to turn today's challenges into opportunities kind of like a podcast, if it was just for you. Learn more at gt.com. Copyright 2022, Grant Thornton, LLP. All rights reserved. U.S. member firm of Grant Thornton International Limited in the U.S. Visit gt.com for details. The Imagine More Success radio show is the all-about-you show with successful entrepreneurs and business experts sharing their stories and powerful takeaways while providing you with tips, tools, tactics, and a free weekly gift to help you thrive. Your hosts for the Imagine More Success radio show are the best-selling authors Cindy Hendricks, a certified business consultant, and Thomas Hydes, a certified world-class public speaking coach. Check out the Imagine More Success radio show at imaginemoresuccess.net because now is the time to realize your dreams and imagine more success. Thank you so much for joining us today. What a pleasure to have you with us today. We're going to have a, a really fantastic conversation about how you can really take care of your mental health during this time, especially um, with so many of the issues that people have been having around um, dealing with the pandemic, dealing with COVID-19, dealing with the stressors in their lives. Um, from so many changes, and obviously change is the one constant in the world, but it seems that sometimes there's more change than we're really ready for. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of people can agree, maybe the last two years or so, there's been a lot more change than most of us are ready for. And today we're going to be offering some really wonderful solutions for you and some great strategies on how you can begin to take better care of yourself, stay healthy, and um, do a better job of taking care of your mental health, which is what we're going to be focusing on today. Cindy, I know that you've seen a lot of your clients and that uh, most of them kind of um, have said the, the same thing, that they, they feel like they need help in this particular area. What else do you hear them say? Well, you know, my opinion is change is better than the alternative, right? <laughs> and so, true. yes. And so everyone is looking for ways to adapt and for ways to feel normalized and you know, it's really no different than normal times because we always have challenges in life. And the best way, in my opinion, is to find ways that work for you, the individual. And then if that's not working, we have people like our guest today, Dr. Batvia, that is just amazing to be able to help people through the tough times in their life. And I just can't wait to have him share his knowledge and for people to know how they can get some help when they need it. 
That's well, right. Thank so you, Cindy. We're going to bring Dr. Body on in just a moment. He is the president of Pacific Health Systems. He grew up in an Indian family in North Texas. His father was a physician and took care of him. And uh, he actually fell in love with the brain in high school and science in college. He obtained his MD in psychiatry. He's also a PhD in neuroscience. This is a wonderful combination to help people who are suffering from brain conditions that are not typically represented uh, in mainstream society. So we're really glad to have him on today. Dr. Badia, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you both very much. And uh, I appreciate this opportunity we're having today. Wonderful. Dr. Badia, what do you find is the number one reason why people need to take care of their mental health at this particular time? Well, I was thinking of starting with um, kind of putting this whole situation in perspective in that we haven't as a society gone through something like this in a, <clears throat> in a, about a hundred years, um, which tells you it's, uh, it's very new, uh, for all of us. And I think that's the message I try to give my colleagues, my patients, my family members that, um, this is a real different deal we're talking about. Um, and I think that helps all of us, you know, accept that we're learning as we're going in how to take care of ourselves. Um, I think for a lot of people as well, um, the idea that I think a lot of people sometimes believe or feel as if the problems that they're having are their problems alone. And sometimes they don't realize that many other people have had the same problem. This particular problem, maybe because it hasn't happened in 100 years, there's not a lot of um, other people who can say, you know what, I relate. I remember when there was a pandemic, you know, and and I remember how it affected things. So it's it's kind of a, an entire world worth of people who are having a mass experience for the first time. So there's not really anyone to reach out to who has had a previous experience, who has overcome the situation, who is still around that people can actually glean some for, sort of uh, advice from as well as some form of camaraderie. Do you agree with that? Oh, most definitely. I think uh, <clears throat> the nature of this condition uh, has really brought out, uh, you know, what we've evolved into, uh, you know, as humans, we require social interaction. And that is how we got to be where we are today. Um, you know, starting off, uh, what, 50,000 years ago in small groups and tribes, evolving into, uh, you know, cosmopolitan, suburban uh, creatures, you know, um, sort of in a sense, uh, you know, assuming that every day we will be interacting with others. And this uh, COVID situation has really taken that away from us. Um, and so that that to me is the where the rubber hits the road, so to speak, is the one thing that we so much assume and rely on as part of who we are, how we function. Uh, we have significant barriers uh, to still have those interactions that we so, so much want and need to feel good about ourselves, to feel good about the world. And even to, simple thing like sleeping at night, which I would tell you the first, uh, three months, I was just doing sleep counseling in my practice. Everybody's sleep oh, wow. was off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody's sleeping later. Uh, their quality of sleep is not as good. 
Um, and you know, it's, it's very understandable that, uh, they're just not as active. They're not going to five, six, 10 different places a day. They're at home. And I know in California, we've had now <clears throat> for over a year, uh, stay at home orders. And, uh, my patients are very good. They, they stay at home. Um, uh, and so, you know, they've, in essence, been safest at home uh, when you're not out in public. Uh, but then there's a trade-off uh, in terms of feeling loneliness, not having the activity level um, that you've had before. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other things that can happen, as you know, uh, overeating, for example, and gaining weight. Uh, that's one of the issues patients are dealing with, and not just patients, but everybody. Um, Yes, that COVID diet's been tough. I know even animals are gaining weight. <laughs> I have friends that were like, they took this the winter sweater off their little their little dog, and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> they didn't realize he'd gained weight too. Well, I guess that could be a good thing for humans if they eat animals that are. <laughs> uh, there know. you have it. Yes, but not but not the family pet. <laughs> no, no. So, Dr. Uh, Body, in, in particular, you're talking about people who are dealing with, the, say, the consequences of COVID-19. Have you been working also with people who have actually contracted the virus and then they're having mental issues or they're having uh, mental health issues specifically because of the pathology of having COVID-19? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So I'm also a hospital consultant and director at two major uh, programs uh, here in San Diego. Okay. And um, and so the uh, consultations that we do, myself and my group uh, of doctors, um, have a lot to do with folks that are being quarantined. Um, they're not only uh, medically ill, but now they're <clears throat> in a situation basically, again, being very isolated in a single room. Uh, and uh, that's just not the period of time that uh, th this may come out um, in terms of, you know, having higher levels of anxiety. They have a lot of fears about what's happening next. Um, and then if the COVID is advanced enough, um, it can lead to confusion, uh, memory loss. Um, the way I kind of describe COVID is it's like a wrecking ball in the body and there's no telling where it goes and what it does. So those are other, you know, consequences that are potentially there. So dealing with the fear of the unknown and also, you know, the treatments are fairly limited still. Um, you know, we know that steroids are the main treatment course for a severe episode. Uh, but then again, how do steroids make you feel? Right. You're more tired, you're more hungry, uh, you can have a potential side effect itself from the steroid. Um, you know, so it, it's a, it's a, so many things happening at one time, and the person is themselves going through all these things, not knowing what is causing what. Is it the COVID? Is it me? Is it the medication I'm taking to deal with the COVID? Um, so those are kind of a little bit of the flavor of, of the interaction. So you're getting, uh, 
So from actually people having COVID, they're having symptoms, physical symptoms, such as you said confusion. And what was the other symptoms that you were saying? So memory loss. Memory loss. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it can happen. It doesn't happen in all cases. But like I said, in those folks with the most severe state. Um, oh, the other thing. The big one is fatigue. Um, this is a condition that knocks you down and really it takes away your energy. So somebody who's normally, you know, throughout the day moving around, doing them, you know, lots of things that they enjoy taking care of themselves, even if they're not hospitalized, okay, they can have a mild or moderate course, but they're exhausted and they're exhausted all day. Uh, and that can be one of the lingering symptoms of the condition. And where the brain comes in is, well, it's one of the energy centers in the body, amongst other places. But in addition, it's that frustration that develops. Uh, you're so used to functioning independently. And now, all of a sudden, you're not. You're more dependent. Uh, in a sense, um, and you have to go about things much slower. Um, so as you can see, that then makes you very frustrated. It can lead to a situational depression. And those folks that have family history of depressions, as you know, there's genetics involved uh, as well. That situational depression can lead to a full-blown you know, course of depression that needs to be addressed in a professional sense. And uh, mm -hmm. the COVID-related fatigue then, I'm assuming you've seen patients who suffer from, from chronic fatigue syndrome, you're aware of what the, of what the um, results are for them based upon how they feel, what sort of mental health results they get. Are these the same mental health results that people who are suffering from this fatigue from COVID are getting as well? Um, to some extent, that's a good analogy to make. Um, I think the difference is, in some sense, the chronic fatigue is essentially months to years of that condition, and it may be associated a lot with uh, chronic pain, uh, as well as depression, um, and then as well as more of a uh, you know, gradual, like very little improvement unless you get on a pharmaceutical or therapeutic combination um, of treatments. The fatigue here is really once the COVID reaches a certain sort of rate of severity, um, it just kicks in. It's, it's just like one day it's not there and the next day you're just exhausted. And then that seems to persist during the course of the infection. And then as well, we know now that this post-COVID syndrome is very real. And up to two-thirds of patients um, still report six months out uh, of fatigue. Um, and that's where we don't know. Is this going to be now a chronic fatigue syndrome? Or is it still somehow, you know, having to do with the uh, COVID damage, if you want to call it that, uh, within the Got body, in the, in the brain. 
Dr. So Buddy, we're going to continue this. We're going to yeah. continue this conversation just a couple minutes after we uh, go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, you're going to be back with the Imagine More Success Show with Dr. Bhatia from Pacific Health Systems. We're going to continue the conversation on how you can take care of your mental health during this time of COVID. This podcast is brought to you by Grant Thornton, an audit, tax, and advisory firm you share something with. Listening. They take the time to understand your challenges and turn them into opportunities, not more noise. Start a conversation at gt.com. Welcome back to the Imagine More Success radio show with Cindy and Thomas. We're so glad that you could continue to join us today as we are continuing the conversation about how you can actually take care of your mental health during this time of COVID. In our previous segment, we were spending time with Dr. Peter Badia, who is the owner and president of Pacific Health Systems, who provides integrative, cost-effective, high-quality care for everyone who needs help. And... Um, services both individuals and families in San Diego. In the previous segment, we were talking about some of the issues that people are having around the physical aspects of having COVID, as well as the mental aspects of being or living really in a time of a pandemic, which is something that most people who are alive have never experienced. Cindy, in your own practice as well, we we I know you run up against these times when people do feel like they've never had, like no one else has the problems that they have. So where do you often turn to solutions? Well, you know, I sometimes will refer to people like Dr. Batia because, you know, we have to stay in our own lane and Certainly, I'm not equipped to talk to someone about those kinds of serious issues, such as the depression and and things that people are experiencing right now, because I know it has really affected a lot of people. And uh, one of the questions I have for uh, Dr. Badia is, is, what's the big difference between people being really sad and people going into, I think you called it... Um, not quite depression, but situational depression. So would sadness be like a situational depression? That's a wonderful, wonderful uh, question. Thank you, Cindy. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> what we're really talking about is what is normal versus not normal moods. And, um, you know, we are equipped within our mind and brain um, with a gamut of emotions. Um, again, that is how we've evolved into being emotional creatures as well as logical creatures. And so, you know, the sadness one may experience, i.e. you hear of a loss of a family member, uh, a trauma of somebody occurring, um, it makes you sad. It bothers you. Um, you may for hours or a couple of days even, uh, you know, be down about it. And that's a totally normal reaction. That's what we do. Uh, 
and we're supposed to do. Uh, so that would be what's considered normal sadness. I think then stepping uh, forward from that would come into more of a, uh, I call it a situational depression. Uh, the technical term is uh, adjustment disorder with a depression uh, or depressed mood. Um, <clears throat> that's the two words, situational depression. So there is a situation that's going on, a stressor, a loss, um, a trauma. It could be losing your job, whatever it may be. And it leads to a mood state of, again, being sad, but it's much more than that. Uh, that's where the other symptoms may be coming in, such as feeling hopeless, um, being very anxious, not sleeping well day after day, um, as well as any number of other, you know, reactions to that situation uh, may make you angry. Um, you may isolate yourself. So that's obviously not what I would consider normal sadness. It's much more pronounced. It seems to have an impact on your functioning. And, you know, at that stage of it, where the stressor is still ongoing, or perhaps it's even not there now. Let's say, you know, it's, uh, it's over and done with, but still you're having all these compounding events going on. Uh, Dr. Buddy, I have a question. The average person, let's say they're experiencing one of these states, if they were to just be asked, like, do you feel um, a little like, do you feel like you're situationally depressed or, or like a, a chronic type of depression or an advanced depression? Do people typically um, identify, say, one direction or the other? Do they usually kind of overcompensate and think that they're worse off than they are? Or do they typically assume that they're doing better than they actually are? Oh, that's a fantastic question also. You know, I think um, as a human being, we are used to dealing with adversity. Uh, we've learned that since childhood, uh, overcoming, you know, challenges. I mean, as a matter of fact, that's what schooling and, you know, sports and all the activities you do when you're young teach you to overcome. Uh, and so through the life cycle, there's different <clears throat> uh, ways of approaching things. Um, and so I think it's in the context of what we're talking about, the COVID pandemic, um, this is a, a, a really unusual, rare phenomenon that uh, the human mind even isn't quite trained on how to go about this, this dilemma, okay, because it hits you from all sides. Um, and for some people, it's hit them very personally, as you know, within their own family and having losses and having disability. So sure. I think it, that people do minimize it in this present circumstance. Um, and then it tends to linger. And then you start seeing, which we've seen even in healthcare, as you know, many uh, healthcare workers have been affected to where they leave a job uh, and they don't come back. Uh, that's a very, very common experience in our industry right now, that we are way down in terms of uh, the number of employees. Is that something that you think is going to continue and 
do you think it has to do specifically with people not wanting to accept that level of stress that they typically associate with those jobs? I think it has a lot to do with uh, the risk, uh, uh, the reality, which is in the higher density, higher population areas in this country. Um, you have this exposure uh, that, uh, you know, you never know what, what could potentially happen. You either as a carrier uh, to somebody else or yourself contracting uh the symptoms and going through the illness. Uh, so again, put a big question mark next to that is what's the prognosis, if you will, of, um, you know, people coming back into the system and working. I, I mean, I think, you know, with the vaccine uh, and all the vaccines coming, it has given a lot of confidence uh, within our society and certainly within the healthcare industry of, uh, you know, coming back in, so to speak, and re-engaging. So I'm sure you've heard the, the recent news that the, uh, the vaccines are not the fix-all for keeping people safe. We're still expected to do the same routine to stay safe. And what's your take on how effective it is and how nervous we should be once we have had both doses of the first two vaccines? Sure. Um, so there's vaccines that were made uh, for when we were children that took years to develop. Uh, as you know, we've all gotten them as children. And there's now the new technologies that produce. And what we have today is the vaccines all coming out with uh, the newest technology. Uh, what that's allowed us to do is obviously... Uh, you know, battle this uh, condition, so to speak, in real time as it's still evolving, uh, which I think is the key to what we have available now is during the pandemic, if you will. Um, and I think that's a huge thing that people should know the way the, the development of uh, anything in this country and I myself am a clinical scientist and researcher uh, in my own field. Um, it is excruciatingly uh, difficult to get a product to market. Uh, it takes at least one to two billion dollars of investment. Um, and so that coupled with the prioritization of vaccines for COVID while the COVID pandemic is ongoing, um, through the filter of the Food and Drug Administration on down all the way to the, the clinical research sites, testing, you know, with uh, human volunteers uh, is extremely rigorous. Um, there is oversight at every level uh, in different ways. And so now we're seeing that, yes, indeed, these compounds are what they say they are. And there is potential uh, experiences, you know, in the research world, they call them adverse events uh, mm -hmm. that are, you know, the subject is informed of, that people are informed of, that you may have these kind of symptoms uh, once you get the compound. Uh, and so the person, and, and this is a foundation in this country that it's, you know, your individual decision, uh, which I think is, is exactly right, 
on receiving it. Um, and so then the person can make their own decision. And I think most people have decided to go forward with it. And certainly if you intend to leave your home, go about your day, uh, mingle with other people, go back to work in an office setting or a building setting, uh, that's where it really, I think, makes a big difference for people. I can really see a difference there. Um, I want to actually address something. Uh, I guess it can be both about maybe masks and vaccines, uh, Dr. Bonte, as far as from a mental health perspective. Mm-hmm. Some people definitely have the feeling that, say, their rights are being infringed upon based upon having to wear masks <laughs> or feeling, um, say, pressured to, to get a vaccine in whatever way. And then other people also feel like it's a part of civic duty then to wear masks or to get vaccines in order to pe- protect uh, the general population. Can you speak to a little bit about how those two sides who seem to be on the complete polar opposite side of the spectrum can kind of find some kind of um, uh, place in the middle where they can meet and at least understand each other? Can you kind of explain the two sides and explain it so that the other side could understand it a little bit? Sure. I'd be happy to. Thank you. Um, I don't think people really understand what it means being an asymptomatic carrier. Uh, up to half folks uh, that are exposed to COVID uh, may not feel any symptoms or just a little tinge of a cold. Uh, and the issue then becomes, and we don't know exactly how long that person can infect other people. Uh, but that's one of the main reasons to continue everyone to wear masks, that you are also not giving it to somebody else, uh, even though you feel completely normal. And this is over the past year, gone through many, many stages of thinking on the part of my own hospitals, uh, all the different specialists involved on testing. Uh, you know, there's kind of two kinds of testing. There's the rapid testing and then the PCR testing that takes a few days. And there's potentially false results, certainly with the rapid testing, which seems to be the mainstay in this country of getting that result within a couple of hours. But the problem with that is we miss a lot of the cases that eventually develop into the, the symptoms. So I think that's the message I give out there is do this as a public good that you are also protect not only are you protecting yourself you're protecting others who you come in contact with if you're carrying around the virus we don't know if you carry it around for a day or two or a couple of weeks it's a really unknown issue as far as why somebody never develops symptoms if they get covid versus why they get even a little bit of symptoms versus why some people progress to being very severe. Dr. Wadia, thank you. We're going to continue this conversation about COVID and mental health in our next segment, the Imagine More Success radio show.
Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Welcome back to the Imagine More Success radio show with Cindy and Thomas. We're so glad that you could continue joining us today. We are continuing our conversation with Dr. Peter Batia. He is the president and owner of Pacific Health Systems, an integrative, cost-effective, high-quality care for mental health uh, in San Diego, available to both individuals and families. Dr. Batia, in our previous segments, we talked about why it's really important to take care of our mental health, some of the major challenges uh, that we face because of these new problems that we've never faced before in dealing with a pandemic and everything that's associated with it. We also talked about um, some of the different terminology about depression and how most people actually wouldn't necessarily give themselves enough, I don't know if credit's the right term, they wouldn't necessarily diagnose themselves properly. They would probably think that they're doing better with depression than they actually are. In this segment, we want to focus on some of the how-tos. Let's talk about some of the things that someone can do uh, with some maybe daily routines and daily rituals in order to make sure that their mental health is stable and progressing towards the better during this very difficult time. That's great. Uh, I really like this question because it's something I preach constantly about, uh, you know, even somebody who's not suffering any uh, depression per se, but they're just feeling lonely. Uh, they don't know quite what to do with their time. Uh, that's faced by a lot of individuals because they've watched enough Netflix and they've watched enough uh, movies. Uh, they're, they're just not that interested anymore. So what do you do after that? And so I tell people a lot of times, let's think about just what you do in the morning. Let's have something in the morning to wake up to that you have to do every morning. Uh, is there a hobby? Uh, is there an activity you like to do first thing in the morning? And let's just pretend that that's something that you have to do every morning. And so that gives you reason to wake up, okay? Uh, and then after that, you plan another activity uh, and you just build up slowly after that. So having a structure for at least, uh, I would say, you know, till lunchtime or, you know, shortly after uh, lunch uh, that keeps you active and moving really jumpstarts your day. And also in so doing, it jumpstarts your mood so that you are feeling positive. You've done something that you've accomplished uh, uh, and feel good about. Uh, and I think that repetitive ability 
will re really lead to people feeling less lonely. They'll feel calmer. Uh, and certainly other things then stimulate in the mind as far as, oh, I have uh, interest in, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, and then you start pursuing those things as well. This is a big part of Cindy's co constant positive attitude. She has structure from morning to night. Mm -hmm. And that is and, and a list of do it dailies, which is incredible. And, well, you know, uh, most people need a structure. Those of us who have creative minds and always have so many projects to work on, you know, our structure is the to-do list to accomplish all those things we've set out to. But I don't think most people have that. And I think the structure that uh, the doctor's talking about is excellent, even if you're not having a tough depression going on. Absolutely. That's the thing. This is even prior to anything else. Uh, as, as I said, if we think back to last January, February, there was usually something to do, you know, some, some reason to leave your home. Uh, that is so much changed now. And especially with obviously the technologies available, you know, you go on your favorite app and it comes right to your door. Uh, that's a big change. That's a big change in the way we live. And yes, it's helped. It's made a big difference and obviously kept people safe. But there's a big but in that is there's been a price in the sense of, you know, our ability to just be human um, and explore our surroundings uh, has been taken away to some extent. Um, and I think that's what we're really dealing with in a, in a bigger sense is the kind of what we're uh, evolved into and what we enjoyed, you know, as a result in experiencing life. Um, has come to a great extent to a, uh, a halt and a big pause as far as now what do we do? And I think people need to really ask themselves, what do I want to do today as soon as they wake up? And then go about doing that um, and just stay within the day. Uh, don't project out to a week from now or a month from now. Just stay within the day. And I think that really, that, that kind of message has helped a lot of my patients. Great suggestion. One of the things I'd love for you to um, give us some ideas on would be what are the warning signs that people should be looking at that are sad or having a problem with the loneliness you talked about before that they need to consider getting some help? Because I do know a lot of people have some issues around going to a therapist or psychologist or psychiatrist because of the stigma attached. But, you know, when people need help, they need to go and get it. And I think if you share some warning signs, that would be helpful for people to say, gee, maybe I need to connect. Yes, um, this is a key question, simply because we all know that, as we've talked about, you may not necessarily know individually how you're doing. Um, I would say the first thing as a warning sign is the simple things. How are you doing on the simple things? Your energy, your sleep. Uh, we go back to mood. That's a big red flag. Where's your mood normally been in the past and where is it today? Some people I, I do suggest to rate their mood on a scale of one to 10. 
And so let's just say you're a person that normally is a seven. Uh, I'm talking average on a daily basis. And all of a sudden you're a three or four. I think that's a significant change. And then, you know, as we all do, we talk to a friend or we watch Oprah or Dr. Phil and <laughs> maybe we feel better. Okay. Maybe we feel better. But what if we don't? And the mood keeps falling over. I mean, falling down, sorry, to less than a five. But there's no stressor. There's nothing that has changed. So that's, I think, one of the warning signs is when there's a distinct change in any one of these areas, which is recurrent day after day after day, and you're not able to overcome it in your own way. Um, and I think one of that, again, one of the things I really stress is um, activities, any kind of activities. Uh, if you're not doing the things you did before, that's also a warning sign. The things you normally enjoy, I think, uh, you know, any number of interests that you may have that you're pursuing uh, have also gone away. So, you know, collectively then, you're obviously not functioning to where you were prior. And then it's time to perhaps get professional help. And always a good starting point is counseling. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that, that I would like to see you make that effort before you see me. Because if you can utilize your own resources and your own support system and really figure out solution for yourself that's independent of medication, then you're going to be a bit ahead of the game, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. Dr. Peter, let's talk a little bit about that. So you literally recommend talk therapy, like, uh, you know, counseling, talking, mm -hmm. with, talking with people that are also in your, your personal network first, right? And trying to find solutions. Uh, what do you find is the, the biggest um, outcome that people, people typically get when they begin there? Mm -hmm. Sure. I think, you know, again, if you talk to the right people, I think <laughs> right. the first, the, yeah, that's the key, right? You've got to talk to somebody who gets it, not to somebody who doesn't get it. Uh, because then you're kind of setting yourself up for criticism or what, whatever may happen. Okay. That is not a good outcome. So be picky about who you talk to and make sure they know this is in confidence. This is a private matter. Uh, I think that's very, very important. Uh, assuming this person is on board, you don't necessarily want to uh, expect them to be somebody to, you know, treat you at, at, at that level. I think the first thing is what is the going on with me? You want a clear understanding of what is going on. And if there's a diagnosis, even, um, you have to know what you're dealing with first before you set up a treatment. And so I think people jump into treatment too quickly without getting a clear understanding of what it is. And more importantly, what it is not. Um, so I think in the uh, mental health area and the brain and all the various different uh, things that can happen, uh, that's the key thing. We rely on really good diagnosis first and understanding 
because that really does impact what choice of treatment you get thereafter and its success rate. That's incredible. Um, you know, Dr. Bhatia, there's one thing that um, you mentioned actually as a part of your message, which is hope. And mm -hmm. while it may seem um, such an obvious choice for so many people, it's not necessarily the first um, choice that they make when it comes to considering their future. Tell us how hope can be transformative for someone's life, especially in a time like this. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in what our job is, is a, anywhere from, you know, the, the medical assistant to the nurse on up through the physician and physician leadership is always provide hope that that is the key to success of any treatment. Uh, and certainly even for the dying patient, um, the, the, the essence of uh, this life, in my opinion, is to always be looking forward to something. That's just how we are made. Um, I think that's how we got to be where we are today. And so, um, you know, that is a really key uh, element, I think, to any person you're talking to, that things will get better. Uh, you will find a solution. We'll work together in a collaborative manner. Uh, and again, I see folks that have uh, are at their end. Uh, they, you know, don't wish to be part of this world. And so you have to, you know, find something that they believe in. And I think there is always something. Uh, it's it's uh, sometimes not easy, but that that kind of open discussion. And especially at this time uh, in our civilization throughout the whole world, we are all looking for hope. So even if it's a friend, even if it's, uh, you know, a distant relative, whoever it may be you're talking to, uh, you know, you can share some of the way you think about uh, what you hope for uh, as a society. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the that's a, a, a huge factor in when you're talking about chronic conditions and this situation with COVID from a healthcare perspective, to be honest, it's evolving. It's, it, mm -hmm. we will not in our own institutions in the near future, see an end to it per se. We're dealing with new cases all the time. We're dealing, <clears throat> we're dealing with uh, people who are returning with COVID and we're also dealing with this post COVID syndrome, which, is a really fascinating and unfortunate condition, but uh, uh, very real. Uh, and we don't know much about it. Dr. Bhatia, thank you so much. We're going to come back in just a couple of minutes. We're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Bhatia. He is the president and owner of Pacific Health Systems. If you'd like to hear some of the past episodes of the Imagine More Success show, which have free gifts in each and every episode, go to imaginemoresuccess.net. Please stay tuned.
For confidence in your financial plan, look for a CFP professional. When your financial advisor earns the CFP certification, it means he or she is trained to provide ethical financial planning across a holistic range of topics, from retirement and investing to taxes and estate planning, all in your best interest. So with a CFP professional, you'll feel confident in your financial plan today and tomorrow. Three letters do make a difference. Visit letsmakeaplan.org to find your CFP professional. Welcome back. Thank you for continuing to join us today on the Imagine More Success radio show with Cindy and Thomas. We are continuing our conversation with Dr. Peter Batia. He is from Pacific Health Systems, and we've really hit on a lot of the different mental health issues that people are encountering based upon this time in which we live, this time of pandemic and COVID-19. And for so many people, that means so many things. Lack of change of employment, losing family members, losing people that we love, being masked, being vaccinated. So many different things that uh, really were not necessarily something that we had to worry about or, or think about. The lack of socialization as well, it's another thing. Um, in our previous segment, we did talk about talk therapy and this is a specialty of yours dr batia we want you to to kind of tell us a little bit about what the process is like why someone should take it on and why it's not something to be scared of absolutely i think uh we now know with many uh situations that we encounter in life uh you know normally if you will we either look in the mirror and talk to ourselves to try to figure out what we should do next, uh, talk to a close friend, perhaps a, a close relative, um, get some help, even watching a, a show or two uh, that we all know uh, does, you know, guide us a little bit in the right direction. What we're talking about is different. Um, I think with this uh, uh, traumatic pandemic that's not only affecting individuals, but society, families, businesses, uh, financially, the gamut uh, of everyone. And I don't know anyone who's not been affected uh, in the situation. Then the importance of personal counseling, individual therapy uh, is so vital and going to the right person. Um, a lot of times, and most of us uh, rely on our uh, network of uh, doctors or uh, even our uh, Google Google counselor to look up who's available. And I would, you know, make sure that it is somebody who's uh, licensed, who uh, has, uh, you know, years of experience and who knows what they're doing. Uh, so I think that uh, that's the key here. Um, we want to make it effective, the, the time you have with somebody, and especially in this day and age, we don't uh, necessarily do the long-term sort of sit in the couch and year after year hash things out. It's very focused. Uh, it's what we call short-term therapy, um, and it's really problem-oriented, problem-focused, in that uh, how can I help you? Uh, and you actually should know something about how to answer that question prior to see, seeking a professional. Um, 
And then that will build on, obviously, other things that come out. But um, that's what I would suggest, uh, that uh, uh, you do seek out uh, well-regarded professional uh, folks. And then a lot of times they are covered by your insurance plan, and sometimes they're not. So that's up to you at that point, how you want to, uh, you know, pay for those services. Um, and there's a whole range of uh, types of therapists. Um, you know, I think Cindy would be able to explain a lot more about the therapy field. But, um, you know, you have people that are from marriage family therapists all the way up to PhDs in therapy and every kind of thing in between. Um, so that's another uh you know, important thing to look at is, uh, you know, it's just one aspect of, of you know, what you're considering, uh, the kind of pr uh, therapist you're looking for, uh, and what level of experience they have. You know, one of the things I always tell people that I talk to about becoming a client of mine is that you have to have some kind of connection, synergy, or a really good feeling about anyone that you work with before you can feel that you can get some good results, a good outcome. So after they get their credentials down and make sure it's someone who's mm -hmm. experienced with the right credentials, just make sure you have a connection or a synergy with that person. Dr. Body, I've heard that's the number yes. one predictor of client success mm -hmm. in this particular field. Is that is that in fact true or is that just something I've heard? <laughs> Oh, no, no. It's uh, it's so true what uh, Cindy just stated. Uh, you know, uh, if you're not clicking with that person, if at some point th they don't get you, uh, then it's time to consider uh, someone else. And I'm quite open about that, even with my own patients. Uh, you know, if this is not working, then please get another opinion. And they, a lot of times they'll say, who do you recommend for a second opinion? And so then I will assist them with that. Um, so this is, I think, part of that, the, the strength of our system in this country uh, is we should work with people that have that uh, understanding that not one size fits all. Uh, and this is about your success, as this show is uh, titled, I think. Um, and so... If you're not feeling that success, you've got to talk to your, uh, whoever it may be, therapist, uh, doctor, and, and let them know that. Uh, and it's their then opportunity to pursue that with you or say, hey, this is a little bit out of my realm. And, uh, you know, go from there. Dr. Bhatia, every week we offer a, a free gift for the listeners. Would you go ahead and walk them through, walk the listeners through um the appointment that you have available for them? Sure. I think it's uh, very easy to call my office and ask for Dr. Bhatia and for an appointment. Uh, if you have the uh, uh, insurance, uh, we will screen you in that regard uh, and certainly can uh, incorporate that. But uh, for listeners, please mention uh, this show uh, and that you heard me. And then I'll just go ahead and uh, uh, give you a, uh, an initial consultation uh, without any charge. Uh, and then I can guide you accordingly because we do have a group of uh, not just myself and doctors like myself, but we have uh, many therapists 
as well as a network of other types of uh, uh, providers that one can be referred to in our system of care. And what would that phone number be that they can connect with you? It's area code 619-267-9257. What a great offer, because I know, you know, half the population is married and many more are just living together. And I think that population is one of the hardest hits because you're not used to being with your spouse all that amount of time. Wouldn't you agree? Most definitely. I think uh, it, it's, a, it's challenging every day uh, and who to talk to and how to overcome certain things that may arise uh, in this present uh, uh, climate. Um, so, yes, I, I think if it crosses your mind, I need help, even just once, that means you should talk to somebody um, and then work on it on that problem, whatever that problem may be. Start with the, the, the issue. And I think that's when you get the best results. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, and you know, most people today work um, digitally, so uh, it doesn't matter really what city you're in because almost everybody works on Zoom or another type of, of uh, video conferencing. So location is not important. So as long as you have a a computer or a phone, you can pretty much talk to anyone that you can find that can help. Yes, and all of us within my practice uh, do online uh, video uh, interviews uh, without a problem, and it's uh, HIPAA compliant um, and so forth. So it's a it's a official, uh, you know visit if you want to call it that yes now do you work within california or are any of the people in your office able to work outside of the state currently we are just in uh, california Uh, i don't believe any of the providers uh, are licensed outside of california Uh, so we are all california licensed Well, there you have it. If you need help and you live in California, you have a consultation with Dr. Batia to uh, figure out what it is that you need. And as he said, don't wait. If you think that you need to talk to someone, by all means, find someone that you can talk to. Dr. Batia, let's talk a little bit about what uh, the future holds for everyone in general, because with your message of, you know, going through talk therapy, really having daily activities, uh, planned out and things that get you more active, get you more engaged, as well as putting hope as a part of your, the picture of your future. What's really possible for people, like for someone who feels less than now, who feels depressed now, who feels really down about the situation of their life because of the pandemic and COVID and lack of social socialization, what's possible for someone uh, regardless of what happens? That is a great question. I don't know, and none of us know, you know, what's coming next. Uh, I think accepting that is now very uh, important for all of us. That uncertainty, you know, is what adults deal with, uh, as opposed to children. What makes adult life difficult 
difficult is uncertainty and how to work with that. Um, I think, you know, we are having to focus now more on the present and the here and now as a way of dealing with uncertainty. Uh, what's around the corner? We all want to know. It's just how we think. If I do this today, will it result in a good outcome down the line? Um, I would suggest people to pair that back into just being present in the day. Your efforts today are your efforts today. And then tomorrow begins a new day. Because what we're talking about is something worldwide. And there's no telling what may happen over the course of the next few years. Um, what we know about how this uh, virus is mutating is actually quite opposite of what one would predict, in that the mutations that are occurring seem to be what's called a gain of function as opposed to a loss of function. So that's why I tell people, let's assume this is the new norm, that we will be wearing masks, we will have to conduct ourselves with some distancing, uh, we will have to be extra vigilant as far as hand hygiene. But in so doing, you know, we're, we're really not necessarily looking at the other person wearing a mask. We're just looking and talking to the other person, just as we would without the mask. So I think it's a, it requires a change of perspective and also an acceptance that we just don't know. And then that's okay. Uh, it's okay, it's to, okay to not know. Yeah, it's okay to not know what the future yeah. holds because we've never known what the future mm -hmm. holds. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The best That's, laid plans of oh. mice and men. You know, Steinbeck. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. Very, very powerful message for us today. Dr. Bhatia, thank you again. If you want to reach out to Dr. Bhatia to get an appointment, uh, you can call 619 267 9257. And if you'd like to listen to some of the past episodes of the Imagine More Success radio show, go to imaginemoresuccess.net, where every single week you get a free gift that will help you thrive in your business and in your life. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can make more money in your business, go to findhiddenmoney.com, where you can get trainings from Cindy and me. And if you are just beginning your journey and want to have a gigantic shift in mindset and performance, go to the millionairemindsetcourse.com where you can begin the transformational process of changing the way you think about you and your relationship with money. We want to thank you for always joining us and we want to remind you to always realize your dreams and imagine more success. Genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas. To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. 
It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save.